Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do. Like me, taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Parrish, welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting, dodo birds, and leaky black. The Eye on College Basketball podcast is presented by Jersey Mike's. Jersey Mike's, a sub above. Matt Norlander is here with me. He's in studio uh, for CBS Sports HQ in Stanford, Connecticut. I just finished a, a three-hour bracket breakdown show on CBS Sports Network here in New York City. I'm now back at my hotel. If you're watching on YouTube, smash the like button like you're Brandon Davies. You have consent. And if you haven't yet, subscribe to the CBS Sports College Basketball YouTube channel. Please knock that out while you're here. Okay, let's get into it. The 68-team bracket for the 2023 NCAA tournament. It was released Sunday night exclusively on CBS, which is America's most watched network. It's the network of stars. The top four seeds were Alabama, Kansas, Houston, Purdue. Basically, everybody expected those four as number one seeds in some order. The last four in Mississippi State, Pitt, Arizona State, Nevada, First four out, Oklahoma State, Rutgers, North Carolina, Clemson. And guess who got 68 for 68? Maddie Brackets. When did you become a bracketologist? Maddie Brackets. Well, I did. I posted before. And by the way, I want to say this off the top. This is our most listened to episode every single year. For those of you, and there is a big number of you that have found this podcast you either find it once a year you found it for the first time we are cbs sports's official college basketball podcast you will find no more informative and entertaining podcasts on college hoops than this one stick around we have you covered wall to wall literally day to day maybe sometimes multiple times within a day with college hoops previews on the podcast and thank you for stopping by whether on youtube spotify apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast thank you this Sunday night episode is always a ride. Selection Sunday. Can't wait to get into it. Yeah, I did put out my 68 teams before. I saw you did as well, but you were on a TV set 
in New York. I was in the in the HQ studios here in in Stanford. So I actually didn't get a chance to to scroll through yours. I assume that you just merely put. I'm going to say you put Rutgers in and you had Nevada out. Did you go 67 out of 68? Because I'll tell you what, the past few years when Paris has done this, I I I appreciate the gesture, but normally you come on and you say I'm a bracketologist. I went 68 <laughs> for 68. So the fact that you didn't open with that leads me to indicate that you were either a 66 man or maybe a 67 man. I'm a 67 man. I was 67 of 68. I had Rutgers in. I had Nevada out. I just thought, and I know, I know that how you finish or the last three games isn't part of the criteria. I got it. But I just thought like Nevada lost three straight heading into selection Sunday to really questionable losses there. I thought that might be enough to push them out. And if they tried to complain, you just say, Hey, how about don't lose your final three games heading into selection Sunday Rutgers. Um, as I said on the Bracket Breakdown show, has nobody to blame but itself. You know, like, if you are in a power conference and you don't make the NCAA tournament, it is your fault. Sometimes if you're in a mid-major or a low-major, you're really good, good enough to get there, but you can't build the at-large resume based on conference affiliation, based on who you're able to play in the non-league portion of your schedule. But if you're in a league like the Big Ten or the ACC, any of the power conferences, if you don't get there, it's up to you. And the thing that I, we talked about this before, this is where I missed it. And I'm going to keep this in mind next year when I'm, because we talk about 68 to 68, 67 to 68. Basically, you could know nothing about basketball, but just go through a coursework of, how the bracket is put together and you're going to get 66 of 68 right like hitting the seed lines accurately is actually where the dirty work is done when you get the teams on the right seed lines that's when you've really done it right so like everybody's going to get 66 most are going to get around 67 and then frankly i'm not calling you lucky but at the end of it just about every year (laughs) what you are doing what you're doing is is you've got two slots and you got five schools you're looking at for those two slots, and you pick two based on however you interpret it, and then the committee either matches you or they don't, and that's how you're a 67 man or a 68 man or woman, of course. And so the thing that I don't care about at all, but I know the committee does, non-league strength of schedule. And if you look at Rutgers' non-league strength of schedule, 314th in the country. Also, Rutgers went three and seven down the stretch without um, Mawat Mag, and Mm -hmm. that seemed to play a role. Like, he's not available to you, and since he hasn't been available, you haven't been very good, and that seemed to play a role in Rutgers getting left out. But as I said on the show, um, I could make the case for Rutgers over Nevada if you want me to, but I don't feel passionately enough to try to do it. Like, it, it we were all going to agree about on 66 of these teams. And then we were all going to disagree over a set of five teams that we had two slots for. I would have had Rutgers in over Nevada, but again, I, I don't think it's that big of a deal. And Rutgers, as you can watch, if you, if you're, if you're watching us here, Oklahoma state ahead of Rutgers, which, uh, which is a little bit surprising, but Oklahoma state had 15 losses there. And so that's the way the cookie crumbles pit to the first four, not surprised by it whatsoever. In fact, I, the first four is I'm good with it. I would have flipped. I would put Mississippi state into the field. I would have put Providence in, uh, in that spot there. Also Rutgers fan. And this is about all we're going to say about Rutgers. There's not much more. I tell you what Rutgers should have had the win at Ohio state and the big 10 admitted it got the call wrong. And if Rutgers has that win on its schedule, it's in the field. So if you got some bitterness, I hear you the whole way Rutgers got, got in on the other side of it a year ago here, they're on the wrong side. 
Um, so that's just how it goes. We'll get in the one seeds in a second, but I do want to tee you up something. I'll, I'll say mine, and if you've got an idea, GP, just let me know. I did uh, the overnight hit for HQ. When we opened the top of the show, it was, you know, what's a, what's a, when you look at the bracket, what pops to mind? What's a big storyline for you? And I'll tell you what, let me look at this bracket. I'll tell you this, the West, and we'll get to these regions, and, and we are going to have, as we always do, Monday, East, West, South, Midwest, region by region previews. Those are also coming. We got you more than covered. But you know how it usually is in the West, right? you got a hodgepodge of teams because the West is never populated in normal years with teams that could fit on the one, two, three, and four lines or the five lines. It's just because there's fewer teams out there. So usually the West is the weakest. Not this year, man. Are you kidding me right now? Did you realize? Did you pick up on this? Five of the top 11 teams at Ken Palmer in the West. Did you realize that, GP? I did not realize that, but I did recognize that it was strong because I actually think Kansas, which was projected by most to be the number one overall seed in the NCAA tournament as recently as two days ago, I think I Kansas been. is actually the most vulnerable of the number one seeds because in that region, you've got um, the two seed is UCLA, your outright Pac-12 champ. Now, they have lost a key player, but still, it's the Bruins in – Presumably, if they get there, Las Vegas, they'll have a – I don't know if anybody ever has a crowd advantage over Kansas, but like UCLA is closer to Vegas than Kansas is. The The three seed um, in, in that region is Gonzaga. So, obviously, they're good enough to, to get you. Will they travel. Do, well, let me just tell you. And they, will travel. They know how to get to Vegas. They do it every year for the WCC tournament. Uh, if Gonzaga is their second weekend, they will probably have the most fans in the building. The fourth seed in the West is a UConn team that in certain points of the season has looked like uh, the best team in the country, has really super strong computer numbers. And then the sixth seed is a TCU team that won by 20-plus points at Allen Fieldhouse earlier this season. So I just think there is a lot of different combinations of teams that can play Kansas competitively, if not beat the Jayhawks. It's um, a spoiler alert. Uh, as much as I'm a, a believer in the program that Bill Self run, runs, uh, Kansas is a one seed that I will not have in the Final Four. Yeah, that's a steep climb there. You didn't even mention St. Mary's. So St. Mary's is 11th at UConn. Kansas is the one seed. It's nine. Gonzaga is the three. It's eight at Kempom. UConn is a four in this bracket. It's fourth at Ken Palm and the new CLA is both a two in this bracket and two at Ken Palm. Again, five of the top 11 teams at Ken Palm are in one region. And then you get to a TCU team. That's got Mike miles and is certainly a danger. West is loaded. That was my biggest uh, takeaway. Do you have a, do you have a particular takeaway or something that you had mentioned on CBS sports network beyond what we're going to get into that springs to mind? No, I mean, you know, and I, and I, I told this um, uh, to, to next season's committee chair, like when we start having these debates about, Rutgers or Nevada or about, you know, who should be the number one overall seed. We're really splitting hairs and nitpicking. I think they largely do a good job. And by the way, it's always funny to me how you decide whether somebody does a good job. You realize how you do that, right? It's it's if they do what you think they should have done, then they did a good job. It's the same way with draft grades on the night of the NBA draft. Well, did they pick who you think who you would have picked? Well, then that's that's an A. Did they pick somebody you would have never picked in this spot? Well, that's a D, and that's how graph, draft grades are made. So the the reason I think you can reasonably say not only this season but most season that the selection committee, broadly speaking, did a good job is because the process to selecting teams and seeding teams is so transparent. 
They literally invite us to Indianapolis to sit through workshops to understand this is exactly what we're doing. This is how we do it. This is what matters. This is what doesn't. And once you understand the process of how they get to where they're trying to get to, well, then everybody's looking at the exact same data and we largely reach the same conclusions. So I, I've got some places where I think teams were underseated or overseated, yep. and, and we'll get to that. But broadly speaking, the, the bracket looks about like what I thought it would look. My last thing before we talk these one seeds, and it is on the top of the bracket. I, I loved, now that it's here and everyone's going to get focused in on these games, first of all, I, <laughs> I just love holding this thing right here, man. Come on. Gosh, one of the best sounds in the world right there. Got to print well, out your bracket. Of, I can think of at least three let's, let's, yeah, Hey, that. listen, Sunday night, take it easy. Save it for the back end of the show. Um, if you can, if you have the I know a lot of sounds bracket, better than that. There's a, there's, I'm, gosh, just crisp. I, I personally bracket. made sounds better than that. Mm. I loved how we that, had. That, that sound. I thought that sound was better. Thank you. Yeah. The the debate for the one seeds, and we're going to get to that in just a second. We'll take a break. But the, the two seed, the two seed, and everything there. Now, I thought Gonzaga would be the first three seed. It wasn't. It was actually number number two in the pecking order. I enjoyed how there was a lot up for discussion, a lot up for debate, and a lot of diversity on thought on who should be the number one overall seed, what actually had to, how that wound up going, who was going to be on the two line, who was going to get shoved off. That was a lot of fun there. And uh, the bracket is finally here. Hope everyone's having a great selection Sunday and enjoyed that, uh, that selection show. You want to talk these one seeds, GP? The number one seeds were Alabama, Kansas, Houston, and Purdue. We'll discuss that next, but first a word from our partners. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. You ready for this? Yeah. If is the most original and heartfelt movie in years. Magic like this comes around once in a lifetime. This Friday, experience it with your whole family. Can we do it again? If ready PG. So Alabama, Kansas, Houston, Purdue, four number one seeds. Any issues with that or with Alabama being the number one overall seed? Nope, not at all. By the way, bracket preview, bracket games. We have a podcast, bracket games, bracket challenge at cbssports.com on your CBS Sports app. Make sure you do it. Join. And uh, I believe we're going to have prizes there. No, no issues whatsoever. In fact, I'm glad they went with Bama number one overall. From a resume perspective, it deserved it. Better than Kansas. Not only it be Houston was number two in line. We'll get to that in a second. Bama was better than Kansas in four of the six team sheet metrics. It had a better record. It won its regular season and postseason titles. And the committee has used that in years past to validate number one overall seed status. So uh, I tweeted earlier that Bama should get the number one, but that the SEC tournament final usually doesn't matter. Now, I interviewed the chair, Chris Reynolds, on CBS Sports HQ, and I asked him, and in fact, I think that's going to live on YouTube. If it is, I will we'll make sure we link that interview. It's about six minutes long. We'll, we'll link to that YouTube link so you can watch it. I tried to you know, get direct with him on a few things, on FAU, on Bama, and what they did there, and, and he did a pretty good job. But he did say, I got him to say, the, first he kind of half answered, and then I said, 
Chris, did Alabama winning the SEC tournament and Houston losing, did that did that dictate the fact that Alabama got the number one overall seed? And he basically said yes. So that was not right. nice to hear that the Sunday results actually, as I believe they should have because the margins were so narrow that uh, it mattered. They had a contingency for it. Bama won, swept the SEC. Uh, it, it is projected as... Uh, as being one of the best teams in the country all season long. And I think from a resume perspective, that's entirely fair. Kansas did not get the win and it had more losses. And at a certain point, like I think there was the case for it. So because of that, the interesting fallout from all this is that Bama gets the South, though it goes to Louisville. Then it's Houston second in line. Houston goes to Kansas City if it reaches the regionals. Not, not Kansas. That means Kansas gets shipped out all the way to the West. And then you've got obviously Purdue going to the East, which was with the, was the expected course if that wound up happening, Texas did not break through. I thought there was a K I would have personally, I would have put Texas on the one line and bumped Houston down. That's what I would have done. I don't have a huge issue with it overall. You want to put Texas on the two. That's fine. Now you got a little Texas flavor, Houston, the one Texas, the two in the Midwest, but those are my overall feelings. And then from a, from a, um, from a pathway standpoint, I'd say Kansas has the toughest road. I'd probably, and I'm trying to take into account the entire region and all possible pathways, GP. I'd say Kansas is the toughest. I'm looking at this, and it, I think Purdue is probably two. Um, I'd probably go, I, I think I'd go Houston three, I think by the narrowest of margins, taking into account the entire bracket. And then I think I'd go Bama four in terms of uh, toughest pathways all roads that could get them to Houston. I've got it exactly the same way. Okay, uh, I think Kansas is, is the toughest. Purdue has a likely second round. Either way, they have the second round matchup that, that's going to be challenging. It's either a Florida Atlantic team that is outright conference champions and out and conference tournament champions and underseeded. We'll get to that in a moment, I believe, or a Memphis team that just beat Houston. Yeah, shorthanded without Marcus Sester Houston, but had previously you know, played Houston to the buzzer and then also played Houston to another single digit game without Kendrick Davis um, available in that one. So Memphis, think about this. If you're Purdue, your second round matchup is possibly a Memphis team that has played four games this season against number one seats, three against Houston and one against Alabama on the road at Coleman Coliseum. And that was a three point game. So Memphis has played four games against number one seeds this season. Every one of them have been single-digit games, and they beat, uh, they beat Houston earlier on, on Sunday. So that's a team with two great college players in Kendrick Davis and DeAndre Williams. Um, I, 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 I want to be clear. I'm picking Purdue to go to the Sweet 16 to get out of that game, no matter whether it's Memphis or Florida Atlantic, but I think it's going to be a real – like I think Purdue is going to have to play well to win that game, and even if Purdue does play well, I think it's probably tight – um, with five minutes to go. I agree with the four number one seeds. Those are the four teams I would have had. I would have had Alabama as the number one overall, same deal. I had already this afternoon, even before the bracket came out, started updating for the final time this season, the uh-huh. top 25 and one. Woo, boy. No one feels boy. better than you right now. You have, to do, you, have to wait. you have to do that every day. It's like there's things you have to do every day. Brush your it. teeth. Shave, rank twenty six basketball teams every day. I don't shave every day. No. Well, I've just about reached the point where I have to be on screen somewhere every day. So I'm changing. Right. Yeah, 
shave every day, brush teeth every day, rank 26 basketball teams every day. I'll be done with it tomorrow morning. Hallelujah. I had Alabama. I moved Alabama to number one in the top 25 and one even before the bracket came out. So just from a resume perspective, I'll bounce you to it real through it real quickly. Alabama is 13 and five in quadrant one, six, no in quadrant two. So 19 and five in the first two quadrants. All five losses are in quadrant one. Alabama has a winning percentage of 79.2 in the first two quadrants. Now, Kansas, because this is very close, 17 and 7 in quadrant one, 4 0 in quadrant two, so 21 and 7 in the first two quadrants with all seven losses coming in quadrant one. Kansas has a winning percentage of 75.0 in the first two quadrants. Alabama is the outright league champ and conference tournament champ. Alabama is better in every computer, and ultimately, that's why I do believe that Alabama should have been the number one overall seed. And obviously this is going to be a big story until Alabama is done, either done because they, they lost or done because they won the national championship eh, because one of their players was charged with capital murder earlier this season, subsequently dismissed. And uh, obviously I think everybody knows at this point, Brendan Miller, the star player is the person who drove the gun to the scene where it was used to kill a 23-year-old mother. Like, that's not going away. I don't care how many times Nate Oates talks about the great culture and his great kids. Like, that story is not going away. And for Alabama to, to get the number one overall seed under these circumstances, um, it's just, I'm not, in fact, I am saying they deserve it. But by getting it, it creates an awkward situation um, for, for everybody moving forward. Uh I, I guess this is a different it's it's something we kind of already uh, discussed um, like which number one seed is least likely to make the final four based on their region and do you and I both agree that is Kansas be, uh, in the West because of the other teams in that region yeah I'm actually I think not a not a what's our poll in the YouTube chat right now what what question do we have up there because I, th- I know I I lob that out to you is that up right yeah, now that's that's up there right now. What is the who is leading that poll right now among what percentage? Let me I, can I get back to you in like two seconds? Get, on this? get back to me. I, I think that right now it Kansas has to be the heart, the longest shot. Yeah, I think I think that is fair. But if you're listening to the podcast and you and you disagree, come find us. Let us know if you're watching right now. You know, appreciate all the comments in the chat there. I think that uh, I think that's fair. And on, on balance with this bracket, um, I think it is is relatively balanced like you know i don't have really too many issues with uh with most of the seating we'll get to we'll get to the few obvious ones there but i think it's got to be kansas i mean it, kansas all right let me just break this down real quick all right so kansas shouldn't have an issue with howard uh, congrats to howard you know uh ending a long tournament drought we'd love to see a kenny blake and he's done a great job there then kansas could get a lottery pick in the second round and arkansas was a team that was preseason top 10 top 15 level now it hasn't lived up to that but it's got it's got two lottery. I, I said a lottery pick. It's got two. I mean, Anthony Black and Nick Smith Jr. are both going to be and they're going to be elite picks this year. So Kansas could have that waiting for if, if Illinois doesn't uh, it doesn't win that game. Then you get potentially uh, UConn. Although Dan Hurley's zero two in the tournament since he got to UConn. And as I said on HQ, I know exactly what Dan Hurley said when he saw Iona flash across the screen, and I cannot repeat it on HQ because he's got a face, Rick. Patino and the, and the UConn fan base is starving for him to win a game. I'm going to say UConn will win that one. But so Kansas could face UConn again, fourth at Ken Palm UConn. And even if you think that's overrated, UConn objectively has been a top 10 
to 12 team in the metrics all season long or St. Mary's, another one like that. So that's on the top half. If you get through all of that on the bottom half, you're either going to have waiting for you. Most likely you're going to have UCLA, which doesn't have Jalen Clark, a Dean bonus supposed to come back. They could be waiting. Gonzaga, the number one offense in the country and has played per Bartorvik. By the way, I dropped two Bartorvik references on HQ tonight. How you like your boy right now? Two of them. Yeah, I said been, you can I've sort the data. I've been doing it all said, season. Have, have you dropped on CBS Network that you can sort the data? Because I dropped a sort the data on HQ tonight. I have I have said the phrase sort the data on CBS Sports Network. And Wally Zerbiak looked at me like I was from another planet. <laughs> Wally Zerbiak. Uh, hey, great to see you. I, I, if I texted Wally, ago, right, if, I, no data. if I texted Wally right now and, uh, and I'd be like, have you sorted the data on Florida Atlantic lately? At BartTorvik.com, his head would explode. Ah, uh, not as bringing up that beautiful CBS Sports bracket. I love to see it. Anyway, the point is Gonzaga has played as the best team in the country over the past five weeks at Torvik, if you sort the data. So that could be waiting on the bottom half. TCU is also really, really good. Kansas got to get through a whole bunch of that. It's got the toughest road. Uh, so, yeah, that is, uh, that's the answer. Nada, what's our percentage? Who's leading the poll? Purdue by Purdue. 55%. Yeah, 55%. And this is with four options of all four onesies? Purdue, well, look, 55%. All four onesies. Yeah, I I disagree, obviously, because I believe it's Kansas, but I can make the case that it's Purdue. That second round game could be against Memphis or FAU. Like that's tough. Um, You you get past that. I mean, how many teams are playing better than Duke right now? That might be who you run into in the Sweet Sixteen. And then, and then you got at the bot in the bottom of your region, the Big East champs or Kansas State could come out of that. So I could, I could see it. I understand why people would, would, would pick Purdue, but I would, I would rank them in terms of least likely to make the final four based on the possible pass to Houston. I would, I would make those Kansas Purdue, then Houston and then Alabama make, meaning the Crimson Tide are my most likely to get there. I think Alabama as the number one overall seed, perhaps deservingly so, in fact, definitely deservingly so, has what appears to be um, the the least complicated region, um, but appearances are often misleading. Wait until you see what my bracket is. Oh, and by the way, I, it, 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 based on the what Ken, am I based doing? On, based on the Ken Palm numbers alone, if UConn and Kansas play in the Sweet Sixteen. The number one seed Jayhawks would be an underdog in that game. Absolutely, yes. Right. No, Based that, on the Kimbom numbers. Yep, yep. And then that would and that would dictate. I, I, barring injuries or or some you know late breaking developments. And, and we should that, we should also uh, mention big uh, headline from Sunday. Bill Self was released from the hospital. Oh, by the way, he's Kansas's coach. wasn't available in the Big Twelve tournament. Kansas did confirm that he had uh, two stints um, uh, placed. Uh, it, to clear blockage in arteries. I'm not a yeah. heart surgeon. I'm not a heart surgeon. Do I look you like a heart doctor. surgeon? I kind of no. do look like a heart surgeon, I think. Yeah, you walk in, if you walk into the Hohar, <laughs> oh boy, get me Would you that. let me touch your heart? No. You've touched my heart. Wouldn't it be a, such a scary thing to have to, to know yes. you're about to. Isn't that crazy that people choose that as a profession? I don't want to be t- no, it's, like, it's what is very the worst thing I could I'm do? I'm very thankful for the like, people that get into the medical profession. Like, what's the worst thing I could do? I, 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 like mispronounce 
Adama Sanogo on television. <laughs> like what is <laughs> nobody's dying if I mispronounce Tyler Kolick, you know? But if you mess up right. as a heart surgeon, you could you could whoo. Bill Self discussion. is going to coach in the NCAA tournament. That's really, yeah, well, really that, good well, They're planning and on the, Bill But Self the most important news is that he is okay. Tournament. And then, yes, uh, you know, this was the word going around on Friday that he had two stents put in. Kansas decided to disclose that information, and we wish him uh, nothing but the best. This is as long as the doctors are saying he's good. Because coaching the NCAA tournament, hard on the cardiovascular system. <laughs> like very intense, high-stress uh, environments there. But uh, provided he's good, happy to see Self back in the game. Yeah, yeah. I hope he is coaching in K- KU's first round game, but you know he was just released from the hospital on Sunday. Um, is is he going to be at his best when Kansas takes the court, like ready to coach and also ready to prepare to coach in that game? Um, I hope so. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present a Mountain of Zen. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. But we'll see. Let me ask you this. What team seeding surprised you most? Is there any that stand out where you went, oh, man, that team's two seed lines better, three seed lines better than what the committee gave them? You already know what I'm going to say. What am I going to say? Texas A&M. No. I got no issue with Texas A&M. Oh, I do. Uh, Okay, okay. You know what? I'll wait on mine. I got no, here's why I'll my Texas A&M thing is this because we disagree fundamentally on this and philosophically, and that's fine. And it's and it's good. It's healthy disagreement. Don't want to just yes each other up and down for sixty minutes on a podcast. What kind of fun is that? I and I and I did. Uh, I said this over the air tonight. I have no issue. In fact, I like the fact that there is an unofficial arbiter when it comes to non-conference scheduling in college basketball. I've said this before. I say this almost every Selection Sunday show, so I'll try and keep this short because I don't want to repeat myself. College coaches will only be forced to change by things like this. Buzz Williams had a terrible non-conference schedule, okay? He could have done better. He chose not to. And so Texas A&M proved it in league play, but, and I don't think this was done like intently, maliciously. They just looked at the data and they're going to say, sorry, if you do this, just like Rutgers, sorry, you don't have a good non-conference then you're going to get hit. Another team that I'm going to talk about is hit just the same, but for different reasons. So that's why I have no issue with A&M. A&M's bigger problem is the fact that it got the hottest 10 seed that it could possibly face. And so in doing so, the problem is if you, if you could have gotten it a six or maybe even eight, like if I'm, if I'm A&M, give me Iowa, give me Auburn, give me Maryland, give me West Virginia, don't give me Memphis or FAU. Give me Arkansas or Illinois before you give me Penn State, man. That's a tough matchup for them. But I got no issue with it. What's your gripe? Well, as I've said many times, and I do I do like to repeat myself. I don't I know if you've it. noticed. I hate non-conference schedule, non-conference strength of schedule. It is it is so ridiculous that that is a part of the criteria because all teams should not be scheduling non-league the same way. Gonzaga as a Perennial top 10 team, national brand that plays in the West Coast Conference should be scheduling wildly aggressively in the non-league portion of its schedule because you're not going to be able to get those games in your league too often. Whereas if you are, say, a middle-of-the-pack SEC team like Texas A&M was, I mean, Texas A&M was slightly better than middle-of-the-pack, but but definitely middle-of-the-pack preseason expectations with SEC, 
you should not be scheduling aggressively. And you're gonna t- you're gonna t- have one massive challenging game after another once your league starts. You you shouldn't be challenging yourself in the non-league the same way. Again, somebody like Gonzaga or Houston or Memphis, teams that are national brands that can schedule big time games and they happen to play in not so great conferences. So I hate that that's even a part of the process, but but I recognize that it is. Take it, set it over there. Texas A&M finished second in the SEC, finished second in the SEC tournament. And the only reason, or at least the main reason, they are only a seven seed is because they did start six and five with losses to Wofford and Murray State. It's not just their non-league strength of schedule. It's that yeah. they were terrible against that mm-hmm. schedule. Uh, two losses to sub-200 net teams, Wofford and Murray State. The Wofford loss was on December 20th. So if you... You ready for this? Sort the data at BartTorvik.com from December 21st. That's nearly three months ago. You just Do you realize that Texas A&M, nearly three yeah. months ago, Texas A&M is the eighth best team in the country, according to BartTorvik.com. The eighth best yeah, team in the country. The resume takes in the whole season, my friend. I understand that. I get it. But at some point, you have to pay attention to – here's the thing. This is – the. Just be consistent with how you do these things, because I'm about to explain to you how they're inconsistent. They, they look at your entire body of work, and they'll say, yeah, Texas A&M over the past two and a half months has been a top 10 team in the country, finished second in a power conference behind the number one game, behind the number one overall seed. Oh, by the way, just beat the number one overall seed a week ago, and then played them in the championship game of the conference tournament again. But some stuff that happened three months ago is the reason we can't give them the seed. They so clearly, their abilities suggest, their results suggest, recent results, two and a half months of results suggest they deserve. So they'll, 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 they'll not, they won't look at what you are right now. They'll, they'll tie in what you used to be. But let UCLA's second leading score get hurt. And they don't just say, well, now they're looking at what you are right now. Isn't that, isn't that a, a, um, a difference in approaches? With, with Texas A&M, they're not looking at what they are right now. They're looking at, in part, what they were in November and December. Yeah, but when you start looking at a UCLA or a Tennessee or any team that has lost a big-time player in recent weeks, well, then, then they look at what you are right now, and they will seed you accordingly. With Rutgers. Fair, with Rutgers. Huh. They, they said that part of the reason Rutgers didn't get the benefit of the doubt, didn't make the tournament, is because they lost a player 10 games ago. They're not the same team without him. So they're look right there. They're just they're not focusing on the entire body of work. They are, by their own admission, at least in part, focusing on what Rutgers is without that player. But when it comes to Texas A&M, it's like, well, you got to look at the whole picture. Let's either, and I won't even argue passionately either way. Let's just, let's either look at the entire picture or let's not look at the entire picture. And when it comes to these ways of doing things, they are, they are inconsistent approaches. 
They need to look at the entire picture. You got to make sure that a game played on November 10th means the same as a game played on March 10th. I believe that that is that is how you uh, first of all, it's it's just better for college basketball to try and get as many good games as possible in November, December. And so, yeah, this is a function of part of that. And uh, I just uh, I will always be a, a believer in not having recency bias and trying to as and I think recency bias will creep in a little bit because it's hard not to with human nature and when teams are playing hot. And, you know, some of that corresponds. Penn State was able to boost up its seed because it, it, it just added to its resume. Man has played well and damn near pulled it, pulled the rabbit out of the hat in the, in the Big Ten title game. Uh, that being said, I don't have an issue with taking into consideration how teams are playing when they ha- don't have a key player. The way that well, college basketball. Me, oh, go ahead. Let me ask you this real quick because. Um, yeah. Ken Pomeroy, to give credit where credit's due, brought this yeah. up on Twitter a few yeah. weeks ago. He's wrong. That's okay. And it, I, I, thought it, I thought it was a smart point that I had never properly but made. He's wrong, though. He's wrong. Ken's wrong, right about almost everything. He's wrong about this. Yes, go ahead. His point is, if we're talking about the same point, that just yeah. because you lose a player doesn't mean that you should be seated any differently than you would have been if that player was available largely because it is not the way we do it anywhere else. For instance, right now, the Denver Nuggets in the NBA are projected to be the one seed in the West because they have the best record in the West. And if Nikola Jokic tears his ACL tomorrow, Denver will still be the one seed in the West. They won't say, well, you don't have your best player anymore, so we can't let you. It's like you have the best record. You are the one seed. And we do that literally in every other That's not how it works in college basketball, though. We have 363 teams that play at all different levels with all different resources that don't play the same kind of schedules. And the schedule in the NBA is much more similar. It's much the, 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 the data points that connect those teams and the way that they build out their postseasons. It's not the same exact thing. They're two, it is very much apples and oranges. And so if you want to say that the end, if, the, if you want to say the selection committee should not take that into account, that's fine. You're entitled to that opinion. But what they are doing is if they, if teams lose players and are trying to evaluate what the, t- what the selection committee is doing is it's taking an entire body of work it's evaluating what you've done and slotting you into the bracket and trying to reward you for what you have done but acknowledging the state of your team i have zero issue with the fact that if a team has proven to be less effective after an injury if it gets docked like that because the results literally show that it's not the same thing as the nfl it's not the same thing as the NBA, it's not even the same thing as the conference tournaments. You're literally requiring a selection committee. None of these other sports use selection committees. The, 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 the postseasons are built out by record. Some could say they're even done unfairly. Some would say go to the soccer model, go to relegation and promotion, go to the t- table, go to that system, because that's even better than what we do in the NBA. So I don't have an issue with whatsoever with uh, with taking that into account and being a talking point. In fact, I sometimes think that that gets a slightly overstated. I don't have an issue with it, and it has proven out even in the past with the major ones, the Hummel, the Kenyon Martin. It doesn't happen all that often, but Rutgers, the committee chair, told me. He said, Moat Mag, he didn't name him specifically, but Moat Mag's injury, they were worse after it, and so we docked him for it, and they didn't get in on top of what they had not done on their schedule. I don't have a problem with it. I don't, I don't think it's, respectfully, I don't think it's apples and oranges. What, what, what they're doing is um, they're saying, in the real apples and oranges. There's no other only college football puts teams into a bracket by humans deciding it. The NBA doesn't do that. College fo- uh, pro football doesn't do that. Hockey doesn't do it. Basically, no, they don't do it that no, way. I, I recognize that in the NFL, we go by records and in the NBA, we go by records, Major League Baseball records. And in college football and college basketball, we go by resumes. That's apples and oranges. This isn't what what a selection committee can do 
whether it's in football or men's basketball, or women's basketball, is say, based on your accomplishments, you should be this. But because you're missing a player, we're not going to make you that. And that is not something that would ever be done in NBA, NFL, Major League Baseball. It, obviously, hey, watch this. You ready? Nikola Jokic tears his ACL tomorrow. The Nuggets go two and whatever the rest of the way. That nobody is going to say, well, the Nuggets can't be the one seed because they're clearly not the best team in the West anymore, not even close. It's just like we are going to seed you based on what you earned, regardless of who was available when or now. And in college basketball, they don't want to do that. And I, here's the point, my initial point that I'm trying to make. I don't care how you do it, but just be consistent with it. Don't tell me you don't care that Texas A&M has for two and a half months been playing like a top 10 team in the country because of some stuff that happened three months ago. Don't tell me you don't care what Texas A&M is right now, but you're literally leaving Rutgers out of the tournament in part because of what, what Rutgers is right now. Those two statements are inconsistent approaches. But A&M didn't lose a player to injury. They're two different things. See what I'm saying? Like A&M's, A&M's had his full roster available. So they're, they're two different scenarios. And I, I think that this gets overstated. UCLA is right where it should be, even without Jalen Clark. Jerry Palm put UCLA on the three line, thinking that the committee would dock UCLA for not having Jalen Clark. That's not what happened. UCLA stayed the two, doesn't have Jalen. They didn't get punished for it. So usually, if anything, and I've talked to committee members about this in the past, this particular talking point in years past on different committees and every committee is different. It can almost be like, all right, are the margins so thin that we need to break the tie and one team clearly doesn't have an impactful player and the other one does. Well, if that's the case, then uh, objectively speaking, we should, we should, if we're going to use that to break the tie, so to speak, we'll do that. I just don't have a problem with it. And I don't think it is even that. I just don't think it carries that much significance. And in the instances where it does become a factor I simply don't have a problem with it because you're talking about a team dropping maybe one seed line. I just don't know how much that matters. All right, let's move back uh, to the uh, initial point. Um, Any other teams you thought got screwed from a seeding? Because I threw out Texas A&M. You're not as bothered by it. What's your team? Florida Atlantic. What are we doing here? This is a joke. Well, I agree with you here. Finally, we can get something we agree on here. Let's go. FAU Uh, (laughs) has has, has been rated top 25 level in resume-based metrics for a while now. And even as we speak now, you, you know, 22 in strength of record, 27 in KPI. It was, it's 13th in the net. Predictives, Cape, Ken Palm, 26 overall. Sagarin's low on him. But went 2-1 and one in quad one. It went 4-2 and two in quad two. And I asked Chris Reynolds why it was a nine. He said they didn't prove it enough in non-conference and have the opportunities. I said, well, you know that they don't have those. You're the AD at Bradley. You know they don't have the opportunities. <laughs> Dusty May has had a good team in CUSA every year he's got there. Okay, so what happens in this situation, as you well know, is that once you have a good mid-major program, then nobody is taking your calls or very few people are taking your calls. I talked to uh, I talked to Mike Rhodes on Saturday when VCU had won the semi and hadn't won yet, won the final. He gave me, and I won't out the schools, he gave me some coaches who tell me they're not afraid to schedule people, would not play VCU on a neutral. And frankly, VCU, go play them on the road. I get that. But the point is, don't dock it against the team if it's out of their control. This is where I think we're going to agree 100%. When it is out of the control of these mid-major programs, and then you're going to say, 
We just don't see enough in the quad one column. We don't see enough in the quad one, quad two. I assure you, they are working the phones every day for weeks and months at a time. You will never convince. I don't. Memphis is a kick-ass team right now. Memphis can beat FAU. Memphis might beat FAU. You will never convince me that FAU is not at the absolute worst a seven seed. I would have put them on the sixth line. I didn't think it was going to happen. I actually had some misplaced optimism that the committee would smarten up and put them that high. It didn't happen. And I also hate the fact, I mean, I love the game, but I hate the fact that Memphis and FAU are playing each other, man. Why not give us Iowa, Memphis, and Auburn FAU? Give us something like that. Ah, I'll tell you the I conspiracy. I love the game, but I hate they're playing each other. I wish they were playing different teams because both teams are good enough to win at least one with the way that they're playing right now. The conspiracy has for a while been, and I actually don't subscribe to this. I, I, I don't think I do. I think it's just if you put a bracket together, you're going to get some matchups like this and they're going to pop off the page and then people will start asking questions. But you try to, oh, well, okay, well, let's do another bracket and you'd find another one of these somewhere. But the conspiracy, what non-Power 5 coaches will tell you is that they try to put two good ones against each other from the non-Power 5s to make sure one of them gets put out quick. I don't we necessarily subscribe. subscribe to- we got that St. Mary's VCU five twelve as well, but there's a lot well, of non powers in the twelve line this year, so that doesn't really hold too much weight. Right. right, but I'm with you on Florida Atlantic. I had them as a six seed. I've got them, you know, in the top twenty four of the top twenty five and one, which which equates to um, a, a, a six seed. They're thirty one and three. Outright Conference USA champs, Conference USA tournament champs, and I know that league isn't great. But there, there's three top 65 Ken Palm teams in that league. I mean, you, you, it's not like they're just way better than everybody else or there's nobody comparable to them. Um, UAB is good. North Texas is good. And Florida Atlantic just went 31 and three. They're 13th in the net. That translates to a four seed. 26th at Ken Palm. That translates to a seven seed. And I know they only have two quarter one wins, but they they went two and one in quarter one. They're above 500 in quarter one, and they're three games above 500 in the first two quadrants. They have zero losses outside of the first two quadrants. Like, I just went and picked a random eight seed, Iowa. Iowa's four and seven in quadrant one. So instead of being one game above 500 in quadrant one, like Florida Atlantic, they're actually three games below 500 in quadrant one. There's no argument that Iowa has a better resume or is a better team than FAU. It does not exist. I don't think so either. Iowa is 13 and 10 in the first two quadrants with two quadrant three losses. So Florida Atlantic and Iowa are both three games above 500 in the first two quadrants. The difference, the main difference is FAU has zero losses outside of the first two quadrants and Iowa has two quadrant three losses. Florida Atlantic is also ahead of Iowa in most computers, but Iowa got the better seat. That's wrong. Again, the margins are slim. But it's wrong. Florida Atlantic should have a better seed than Iowa, and Florida Atlantic should have a better seed than Florida Atlantic actually has. It's a joke. They whiffed it, and I knew they were going to whiff it, man. I was hoping I'd be wrong. Because I'll tell you what, I look across this bracket, and I don't, not if you can bring up the bracket again for anyone watching to follow in real time here. I, I don't think so. I get the AM case. I'm fine with AM on the seven line, but I get the case. FAU, I've got the problem with. And I look at everywhere else, man, I got to say, like I'm uh, Xavier on the three line. I got no issue with that. I talked with Sean after they lost. He thought they were getting a four. Um, so that's like mildly surprising, but I don't have an issue. I don't think with a single 
other team and the seed line it's on. And as we step back and look at this field, I think one of the more interesting things about it to me was the fact that water, water just tends to find its level when we talk about these seeds. And the committee does a good job. And I think the committee, for the most part, gets better and better at this each year. You know, I think 10, 12 years ago, while they were doing an admiral job and they were doing a good job in many ways, I frankly, I just think there were members on that committee that were in over their depth. And it's and it's to serve on the men's basketball selection committee is is like a career highlight for anyone that gets into the college administration, AD, AD and athletic director level. Like everyone wants to be on this committee. And I think sometimes people get on it and it takes them a couple of years to really get a feel for what they're doing and what they're evaluating. So I'm saying that to say, the committee has gotten better. And when I look at a bracket like this, when I see how it's seated, and there's only one or I think there's two slip ups, man. There's nothing like Missouri. Yeah, that's a seven. Creighton, it's a good team, but you take the resume. That's a six. Iowa State, same deal. That's a six. Miami deserves the five. I maybe there's a little bit of noise about Duke on the five line. Personally, I think that's bang on. I got I got no issue with that. And for the most part, I think there's pretty good balance there. I think we talked about this a year ago too. Um Committee did a good job. I, I, I can't find another instance where I, I think that there was a miss by even one seed line. What about you? Yeah, well, not in seeding. Like, I, okay, I don't like Texas A&M seed. I don't like Florida Atlantic seed, but whatever. There is something that is technically okay, but I just think in the spirit of what we're supposed to be doing here um, is out of bounds, and that is making Auburn a nine seed, putting Auburn in Birmingham – Yes. And now Houston might have to Houston might yep. have to play Auburn in Birmingham, Alabama. The one seed could be playing a de facto road game in the round of 32. That should not happen. I agree. I had a so I had Reynolds for about I want to say six minutes. Um, I can't remember how long the the interview was, but he did he does a bunch of these. And my appreciation to everyone at the NCAA for making them available because he does CBS, he does CBS Sports Network, he does he does HQ, he does the AP, he does Westwood One Radio. They they utilize it and they do a great job. They get it at the NCAA when it comes to this. But at a tight window, if you had because in my mind, if I had and I didn't have time, my one last question was, can you take me into the process? And the fact-checking process and the vetting process where you're allowing ninth-seeded Auburn to get that game there. And although it's about equidistant, you're giving Iona a trip up the Taconic Parkway to play in Albany against four-seed UConn. Now, UConn's going to draw fans. Don't get me wrong. And if anyone's watching in the chat, actually inform us. I don't have the – I don't have the uh, – actually, I think I do in my bag the, – the bracket with all the regions. I'll, I'll take a look. I think that's the only two times, and we get that, if not every year, just about every year, where there's a lower-seeded team – and, I, and maybe there's something to this where, like, it's going to spit out these different matchups and they're trying to build it. And maybe, you know, all right, if we account for this, then suddenly we've got a bracketing principle thing. Like, there is that. In many ways, the bracket gets squeezed into only a few different variations you can do from a bracketing principle standpoint, a logistical standpoint. So I understand if maybe you take Auburn out of there and you move them somewhere else, and you put someone else in there, then suddenly you're dealing with this issue and that then that causes this issue. It feels like that should be avoided. I agree with you, GP. You can't have a one seed playing a potential second round game, you know, a stone's throw, a four iron away from a nine seed. That's it. Auburn's got to get there. And I don't think it will. I'll take Iowa to win that game, but you'd want to avoid that. If you can, you can't get a 13 seed. I think I, I think Iona might be closer to Albany than, than stores. So, you know, and I love that I'm going to get that game in person. That's awesome. But if you can avoid that, I would agree. Uh, minor nitpicks, but nitpicks nonetheless. Um, favorite first round matchups in the, you got circled already. 
I'll run you through some of the ones that jumped off the page to me. Then you take it wherever you want. In the East region, we've talked about it. Number eight, Memphis against number nine, Florida Atlantic. Number six, Mm -hmm. Kentucky against number 11, Providence. Bryce Hopkins against his former school. That's terrific. Number five, Duke against number 12, Oral Roberts. That's Max Acemas against the Blue Devils. Should be terrific. In the West region, Number four, UConn versus number 13, Iona. Awesome. Dan Hurley, Rick Patino. Yeah. Um, number eight, Arkansas. Number nine, Illinois. That's two big brands. Should I pick Illinois just to make, just to ruin Tom Fornelli's week? You got to. That's, that's actually, oh, I just realized. Don't you have to take AM to the Sweet 16? You got AM over Texas. I believe that's the deal, is it not? Well, how about this? I didn't even remember that. I didn't even remember saying that. <laughs> I have a, it's I at have, least one we'll get game. To this. I think it, I think you said Sweet I have Texas A&M in the Elite Eight. Okay, well, I have Texas A&M in the Elite Eight. Um, I love it. In the South region, yeah. Hey, I'll put my bracket where my mouth is. You know, oh. I'm not going to sit here and talk for seven minutes about how they underseeded Texas A&M and then not take the Aggies all the way to the Elite Eight. So I got them in the Elite Eight. In the South region, first-round matchups that are interesting, number five, San Diego State versus number 12, Charleston. Number six, Creighton versus number 11, NC State. Mm. And then in the Midwest region, number five, Miami versus number 12, Drake. Somebody tweeted me a picture of Drake standing in a Miami sweatshirt. So that's that's interesting. Number four, Indiana versus number 13, Kent State. That's in the Midwest. And number seven, Texas A&M versus number 10, Penn State in the Midwest. Two teams that have been playing well down the stretch. So those are some first-round matchups that sort of jumped off the page to me. Either they're really compelling games or they've got nice storylines attached to them. Yeah, I'll give you a few of my favorites. San Diego State, Charleston, man. Just contrasting styles. Charleston's going to be a very trendy. Uh, there's going to be a few. The is that the, is that the game? Is that the game with the two schools furthest away from each other? Ooh, that's got to be it. Yeah, that's got to be. That's got to be it. Um, hold on one second. Let me get a different bracket. Get the bracket with the regions. All right, I'm here. Um, switching out my bracket so I can look at where these games are getting played. All right, so San Diego State, Charleston. That's Orlando. Man, see, and you got the five. Now it's you got the five. You don't get the geographic preference. You're flying across the country there, Charleston. I guess it's drivable. Um, I think Virginia Furman is Furman, Furman. That is a sneaky upset potential there. Sticking in the South right now. Those what if Furman's two. mascot was just a f- really hairy man? Furman. They were the Furman's Furman. The Furman those Furman's. My, those my. It's a paladin, though. You know I know, but they is? should be the Furman's. The Furman Furman's. And it'd just they be should. a guy with a hairy back. Yeah. All right. Uh, Why do I have to come up with all the good ideas? That's what they're saying. Uh, there's Those are the two in the South. Those are my two favorite in the South. My two favorite in the East... Give me Memphis. Memphis FAU is my favorite game of the first round. That's going to go down in Columbus. And I hate that one of those teams is going to be out. That's a major bummer. That's a Friday game. Uh, And then my second favorite game in that region is Duke Oral Roberts. Come on, man. Are you kidding me? Max Asmus? ORU is the hottest team in the country going up against a Duke team that's found its stride. But it's drawn. It's drawn this twelve of all twelves. 
tremendous stuff there. Shouts to Nada, by the way. He's tossing up some HQ graphics here on the YouTube channel. That's that's some good producing right there. Those are my two favorite in the East. Scoot over to the West, the right side of the bracket. My two favorite in the first round here, UConn Iona. Come on, man. Dan Hurley, Rick Patino. Rick Patino getting his Big East tune-up. These two are going to face each other next season. See where Rick lands, but it seems inevitable. Rick's going to the Big East. So I love, I love that. I'll also get St. Mary's VCU in Albany. Um, I'm getting that Miami Drake game as well. I'm getting it. Oh, dude, I'm not, I lucked out. Albany, big time site. Uh, St. Mary's V. So Arkansas, Illinois, and UConn, Iona are my two favorite in the West. Arkansas, Illinois. That is flip a coin and pick it. Don't overthink it. Seriously, do not overthink it. Musselman versus Underwood. They've both they've lived a few lives this season, and that is my favorite. Uh, second favorite eight nine game to FAU Memphis. Just a, a wonderful, wonderful matchup there. And then in the Midwest, my two favorites are. I would say that Miami Drake game. I don't have the guts to take Drake. Shame on me. I got to go Miami, but that's wonderful. I'll be getting that in Albany. Looking forward to it. And then, yeah, I'll stick with it, man. I, I got to say Indiana, Kent State. Rob Senderoff, former Indiana assistant who fell on the sword for Kelvin Sampson, faced NCAA sanctions. Sanctions, easy, easy for me to say. And uh, he has been just rolling for a decade plus at, at Kent State. And they get in. That is a, oh boy. Feels like it might be an upset. Feels like your boy might have that upset in his bracket. So two per region. My three favorites overall in order. Memphis FAU. You kind of is not really top three. I just love I love the storyline. I'd say generally I, I would say Memphis FAU one, San Diego State, Charleston two, Indiana Kent State are my three favorite first round matchups. I was sitting in my hotel room last night getting some work done and watching games. And you tweeted that you had texted with Rob Cinderoff before the game and asked yeah. for his playlist, pregame playlist. I, 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 yeah, yeah, went, yeah, yeah. He's a huge Pearl Jam fan, so I knew he'd be listening. And I was wondering genuinely, was he going live show? Was he going studio album? And he tossed him. He's like, I went a little binaural, no code, and then binaural if I got a, if I got the time to do it. And uh, he was just he was he was dialed in. So I appreciate that. Sorry so I was you, so, I want to give so yeah, no 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 no. So I was like, I don't know. I get this is the way my mind works. You probably notice if you listen to the podcast, like something pops into my head, and then I just I stick with it, and I'm just so I was like, man, I haven't listened to no code and probably 20 years because just like yeah, everybody my age was a Pearl Jam fan once upon a time perhaps still is but like if you were growing up in the 90s or in high school in the 90s it was impossible not to be into Pearl Jam like they were the were they the biggest band in the world at the time um in some ways yes and then they refused to work with Ticketmaster, and then they felt and then they felt not fell off the map but their popularity dipped with a quickness there but it went like you know Yes, they were they were among the most popular bands and and you know they, they probably three for for, for probably three or four albums they were the yeah arguably people that the biggest band in the also world. prided themselves on hating Pearl Jam so there there was that kind of fan out there as well so yeah, there was a moment where the and, and and they are one of the few bands from that era that can still sell out arenas like today mm -hmm. they can still mm -hmm. sell out arenas like when we were when we were teenagers like the Stones could still sell out football stadiums and. Robert Plant and Jimmy Page could still sell out an arena, um, but you know that that typically you're a, a big a big rock band. Then you you know at the height of it you're in arenas, and then who knows where you know you might be at casinos by the time it's over. 
uh, Pearl Jam still today can sell at arenas. Anyway, so I, I go and I put on no code and I, it was wild. It's like I, I still knew every word to every song. I haven't heard it in 20 years. I knew every word to every song. And then here was my favorite part. So after it's over, I listen to Apple Music. And after it's over, the album's over. It just automatically starts playing similar things. So the next three songs that came on, I hadn't heard these songs in years. Tomorrow by Silverchair. Yeah, baby. Outshined by Soundgarden. Oh, boy. That's a good one. What's our last one? Dead and Bloated by oh, Stone Temple Pilots. I like a roll. Yeah, that's good stuff right that there. Somebody SDP. gave me Buckbay Duckbed. Buckbay Duckbed. I think that's what he said. I thought you were going to give me a little uh, candle box. I know, maybe. All right, uh, let's let's talk final four picks here. I'm taking silver chair. I'm taking silver chair. But I did it anyway. Silver chair. Across the night, underrated song. Go go look it up. Some good stuff there. It's off their album. Dude, on my radio show. Back when I used to have a radio show. Back when I used to have a radio show. Um, we randomly like Candlebox came on came up somehow. I don't even know how. And uh so I was like, I wonder what Candlebox has been up to today. Been up to lately. Like, who knows? And uh they just put out an album, like in yeah. 2022. Oh, I let, so on my ride home that day, Blank I listened to it. it okay, oh, this is what's so fun. This is what's so funny. So first time I listened to the new Candlebox album on my ride home that day, and I was like, "Well, this sounds exactly like what I figured people Candlebox so sounds like." You in the, people are so angry in the chat for that. For that. <laughs> you were that was a little aggressive. Just just saying. I, I apologize. My condolences to your ears. You're I just have my people. Inner... People are going to be like uh, running or walking their dog in their neighborhood, getting this this selection Sunday show, and they're just going to scream out of nowhere. I uh, anyway continue with your candle. My box. condolences to your ears. My inner Scott Weiland came out for a second. Every everyone is saying my ears are bleeding. <laughs> so I listened to this Candlebox album from 2022, and I'm like, yeah, this sounds about like what Candlebox should sound like in 2022. This kind of makes sense. So then I was like, are these guys touring? Because and so I went to their website, and it said like whatever the date, Coachella, and I was like, what? Yeah. Candlebox is playing Coachella. In 2023. What size is the font on the poster? Yeah, where are they? Okay, no, no, no. It's even funnier. They're actually playing a casino in Coachella. (laughs) (laughs) But they were like, they were like, all it said on the site, I swear to God, it just said, it said like April 23rd, Coachella. And I'm like, wow, who am I just out on Candlebox? Didn't know that they're still big enough to play Coachella. And then you do the fine print. It's like, the silver chair casino in Coachella, California. Anyway, that's all I know about Candlebox. Final four teams. Let's do it. I'm taking silver chair to go to the final four. Don't tempt me to make a nineties band bracket. Cause I will do it in a heartbeat. I've got my bracket right here. You mean to tell you? Same. I've got Alabama beating Creighton in the elite eight. To go to the final just, four. Let's go read you and he, let's each give our region. Okay. 
So mm-hmm. you, you've got, and that'll lead. And we're going to, if you want our full pick, that's Wednesday's episode, our full bracket. They'll be up on the CBS Sports app before then. And we'll probably pick on these on region by region, but we're just going to give you our final four and champion picks tonight. You have Bama over Creighton. In the Elite Eight, Alabama in the and, final four. Okay. You know who I have? Hmm. I got Creighton over Bama. How about, okay. I picked Creighton to the final. I, you want to get nuts? Let's get nuts. Uh, it's been it's been a wild season. I, I just I cannot bring myself to have nothing but ones and twos in the final four. So yeah, I got the Jays getting past Baylor, Zona, and Bama, which is an outrageous road. Why not? Give me them. Okay, in the East Regional, I have Purdue over Kansas State in the Elite Eight. Purdue in the Final Four. I almost went with Duke based on the way they're playing now. But I went with Purdue, and I'm going to be completely transparent. It's me picking with my heart. I want Purdue to go to the Final Four. I want Matt Painter to be a quote-unquote Final Four coach. So I, I, I don't know how confident I am in that, although they are the outright Big Ten champs and the Big Ten tournament champs. But I want them to get there. So that just I'm trying, to, I'm trying to pencil it into existence. Matt Painter, huge Candlebox fan. Um, I could see that, go, this is my only region with a one versus a two. I have Purdue over Marquette in the Elite Eight in the East. If that happens, um, I'll be I'll be at that at that regional final, that regional semifinal. That's going to be in New York City at Madison Square Garden. So this is Marquette getting back to the site where it just cut down the nets and won the Big East tournament on Saturday night. Uh, what about the West? Well, damn it, Kevin B. in the YouTube comments just made a good point. He said, if I want Purdue to go to the Final Four, literally the last thing I should do is pick Purdue to go to the Final Four. It's done. I should have had Purdue losing to Memphis or something. Yeah. Which, by the way, is on the table, man. It is on the table. I bet one of our HQ producers dinner two weeks ago, I said, there's no shot. Purdue's making the Sweet 16. And then, like, five days ago, I was like, the only way is if they get, like, a Memphis or someone. Now look at them. I'm done. Dude, Memphis is tough with Kendrick Davis and DeAndre Williams. Like those two guys, I mean, those are those are super seniors, older guys, great college players. Like Memphis probably needs those guys to combine for 45, yeah. but they can they can combine for 45. They've been doing anything. it. It's Sunday night. No one's listening to this. It doesn't count. Yeah, nobody cares. Nobody cares. All right. Um, so now we are in the Midwest regional. Is that where we're at? Wherever you want to go, man. Let's go Midwest. I have Houston over Texas AM. In the elite date, Houston in the final four. So you got, you know what? I'm proud of you. You got a six and a seven in the, in the regional finals. I like that. I have Houston over Xavier and like 27% of that is, I just love, I love, who doesn't love right next on the bracket. You get the bracket, you print it out few, few better feelings. And everyone listening knows exactly what I'm talking about. Just write an X, just write that X for a couple rounds. My bracket. It just has X. There we go. X says we love Same the as X. You. Yep, I got Houston over X in the Midwest Regional Final. That'll be going down in Kansas City. Houston going to Houston. And then in the West Regional, I have UConn over Gonzaga in the Elite Eight. I have the Huskies in the Final Four. I have Kansas mm-hmm. losing to UConn in the Sweet Sixteen. Apparently, we got a huge number watching and listening right now on YouTube. Smash the like button like your Brandon Davies. 
There are more of us than there are of them. I want to shout out the four or five people that found me at the garden. A couple who were screaming and flagging me down, including the Savior fan. You know who you are because you listen to the pod. Just screaming. There's more of us. We had a connection. I feel you. I feel you. Um, so please continue to support I was, the, I, the it, it, I was it, walking it, to the uh, studio today, and yeah, uh, it's a nice walk down 57th, and and I've got my AirPods in. I'm you know listening to music, and uh, you listen to Camelot. Some, I, listening to the SZA album. Have you listened to that album? I have not. That's I will great. though. I mean, she's it's, she's awesome, but I just haven't had the time yet. Yeah, you should make time. I will yeah, eventually make time, fellas. I'll so that's what there. I was listening to. Drive I was listening up to, to Albany the, Friday. It's going down. All right. Yeah. It's like legitimately a great album. So I was listening to that. And then I noticed some guy like trying to talk to me, which, as you know, in New York City, like strangers don't really talk to each other on the streets. Like they, that's not that's something that might happen in the South, but it doesn't really happen in New York. So some guy's like clearly trying to talk to me and I take the AirPods out and he goes, Are the tar, did the Tar Heels get in? And I was like, we're still two hours away from that, but I doubt it. He was really you, concerned. You clearly that. have not listened to the most recent podcast. If you're asking me, yeah, I was like, buddy, you got to get to. We already we 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 killed North Carolina just two days ago. But uh, yeah, like when people who listen to the pod or whatever uh, take the time to say hello, just understand you're never bothering us. You're making us happy, and we we appreciate it. Uh, Unless you, you are got, bothering you, us, and then we'll just we'll, we'll be you, quick with Paris, it. Paris will bit you out it before we hit the record button, and we'll be all right. UConn Gonzaga, UConn Gonzaga in your West Regional Final. I also have UConn versus Gonzaga in the West Regional Final. Give me the Zags with that home court advantage out at T-Mobile in Vegas. So I have Gonzaga. So my final four is Creighton, Purdue, Houston, and Gonzaga. And you and my fi- have Alabama, Purdue, Houston and UConn. And then let's go ahead and go all the way through with it. I've got Alabama and Houston playing in the national title game. And I have Houston winning the national championship. I have Purdue playing Houston in the national championship game. And I will take the Houston Cougars with a healthy or mostly healthy Marcus Sasser cutting down the nets, giving us one of the all time storybook endings in sports. Houston becoming the first program since UCLA in 72, I believe, to win a national championship in its home city. Doing so after making a Final Four two years ago in the Elite Eight last year. Doing so as this humongous rebuild Kelvin Sampson has done is incredible. And, of course, doing so on friend of the podcast, Jim Nance's last call in an NCAA tournament game for his career. We both have the Cougs cutting down the nets. And I'm not going to, I'm not switch. I'm not shifting off that. And I barring news dictating. Otherwise I will not, I don't think I'm gonna switch off any of my picks, but my final four, I'm sticking with the Creighton. Listen, I'm going to, I'm just going to take a few dart throws. Creighton. That's a, that's a long shot. So I got, I've got two ones, a three and a six final four. Something just occurred to me. What do you got? I am reasonably confident that this is the first ever podcast. Of all, think of all the things we've done first with this podcast. First podcast ever to go to video. First, first podcast ever to go to television. Yeah, and now true. I think first podcast to ever within a 10-minute segment mention both Candlebox and Scissor. I bet you that's and, never and happened And Silverchair. Yeah, and Silverchair. And Silverchair. 
I, I doubt Scissor and Silverchair have ever been in the same podcast. You know who's a huge no no joke. He loves when you talk about this huge huge uh, Candlebox fan, Tom Fornelli. I said maybe. <laughs> oh boy, we're rolling on four. No, 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 no. I want to do Don't Scott Wyland one no. more time. No. I tell Please you what. Back in the late 90s, I would have been at the Mud Island Amphitheater in downtown Memphis. And Scott Weiland walked out. And that's ex- the first thing he did. Uh, uh. That's a fun place to be back in the late 90s, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. You should have been there. We will preview the rest of these regions on Monday. You will get those episodes in the feed and tons more to get to matchups to dive into plot lines to follow there's a lot of stuff here what are the uh what are the overrated popular upset picks the <laughs> underrated ones what are the ones hiding in plain sight nobody's talking about because we had one last year st peter's over kentucky nobody had that and yeah i know no, you know you you had it in your seventh bracket or your mom had it or whatever you know what i mean that was not a, no one was talking about st peter's beating kentucky what's ha- what's hanging out there right now is it montana state over kansas state no one's talking about that no one's talking about grand canyon beating gonzaga could UNC Asheville knock off UCLA in the first round? Stuff like that. It's out there. We might get it. We might not. But that's the beauty of this thing. And I appreciate everyone that joined us live here because this is an amazing day. I mean, we, you know, the thing I love about college basketball is you basically you get three Christmases. You get Selection Sunday, which is one. And then the first Thursday, which is just an incredible feeling once you actually start the first round in earnest. And then you get to run it back again on the, on the Friday of the first round. So it's, uh, it's awesome stuff. And we got more. We got more coming very, very soon. But I got to tell you what, it's after midnight. I'm on four hours of sleep. I still got to drive home. Mm. I think it's time to wrap this puppy up. Yeah, drive carefully. Thanks, everybody, for being here. I know it's late, but the streaming numbers on YouTube seem to be um, really, really strong. So thank you guys for being here. Um, we've got regional previews that we are going to be doing on Monday. Uh, we'll bring in a whole crew for that. Me and Norlander will be hosting different episodes. David Cobb's going to be with us. Kyle Boone's going to be with us. Chip Patterson's going to be with us. And then we will be at the end of every night of the NCAA tournament uh, doing um, episodes that recap everything that's happened and everything that's coming up and so we'll be here with you late thursday night late friday night late saturday night late sunday night in some form so this is the the most fun time of the year for us it's busy it's overwhelming we're not always going to be in ties and collared shirts uh but um and we're not always going to be well rested you look like you're going to a wedding i look like i just came back from a wedding that's what we're at right now i wish there was a wedding to go to right now at this time of night I wouldn't mind going to a wedding right now, you know? I'm wide awake. I am wide awake. That's a problem. I'll hey, it was great. It was great seeing you in in New York City. We'll see each other again in person at the at the final four. But we do also appreciate everyone that reached out about the CBS Sports Network stuff. That was a lot of fun as well. GP will continue to do more CBS Sports Network stuff and then CBS Sports HQ. I mean, I don't know what else to say. You are getting as much college basketball coverage as you want in podcast form, video form. We've got it for you. Shout him out, GP. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Huck. Shouts to Larnell. Shouts to Scott Weiland. Thank you guys once again for listening to the Island College Basketball Podcast. If you're not subscribed, please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple and Spotify. Five stars, nice review over at Apple. 
There's more of us than there are of them that needs to be reflected in the comments section. So knock that out. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. And we're going to talk to you again real soon. Till then, take care.